Hello and welcome to Big Tech, Little Tech. My name is Sean Weston and this is episode 23. Here in the UK, we are set to have a siren go off on the 23rd of April on nearly every mobile phone in the country. It's part of a government security and emergency initiative to warn of extreme weather, events, uh, terror, incidents of civil defence emergencies. Is there something like this in Spain, Rick? Oh, I wasn't expecting you to start with that, but yes, there is. Um, we have a tsunami alert. A tsunami alert? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, um, uh, oh, oh, you kind of caught me, but, but it's to do with the fact that we're on uh, one of these faults because there's been big earthquakes in Portugal uh, before and we and occasionally we have an earthquake but what they're worried about is an is a an eruption out in the atlantic yeah. and it causes a tsunami and because we're obviously on sea level and so there's uh yeah there's the, and, and they teach it in schools you know what to do if the if the tsunami alert goes off you remember in the they talk in the in the states they used to have this duck and cover for if there was yeah. a nuclear so so that would save you hiding under the desk <laughs> well they they have they have training if the if the uh if the uh, alarm goes off yeah so, so yeah we have it, something similar so is it a siren in the town or does it go off on your mobile phone no it's not on the mobile phone it's old-fashioned men yeah. ring bells get out of like, the house run yeah <laughs> run for the hills <laughs> there's, there's a stampede of goats heading your way so <laughs> well this is a mobile phone initiative now i don't know if you've read about what's happening in the uk i have not seen this yeah though. at 3 p.m on the 23rd of april and it mm. will last for 10 seconds on nearly every mobile phone in the country and i i should warn my mum first in case she hasn't read it because there was a frankie goes to hollywood incident when i was a teenager and i bought the 12-inch version of two tribes when i was about 13 mm -hmm. and at the very beginning is the air raid yeah. siren and mum panicked and she heard this coming from the other room <laughs> she ran through i think tea towels flying all over the place <laughs> oh my god what is the point of the what is the point of the test in the uk again what, 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 well why i think it, it? i think they've said it's for you know if you have extreme weather events or terror incidents or civil defense emergencies i think it's you know if something happens uh, you can't help but wonder why they're doing this now. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> is there an what, what, what you're supposed to do? You got an alarm that says panic. You know, uh, I what, believe what, it, so. You meant yeah, to, like, they, they the haven't news? told us what we're supposed to do when we hear it. Um, mm. You know, only half the story, as usual, as usual. Anyway, so <laughs> what's your tech of the week, my friend? Well, first of all, I just wanted to say um, uh, before we get into the tech of the week, just. But we're in Easter week, and you know I often sort of go, like, give a little update where life in Spain. This is the most important week of the year uh, for the Spanish, the Catholics, and if nobody's aware of how they celebrate the birth to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, have a Google for Semana Santa, or go onto TikTok or Instagram or wherever, or, or, or YouTube Reels. Uh, Semana Santa. Semana. S E M A N A. It's 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 Spanish for Easter week, yeah. and through the week they have these magnificent processions where which is all around pain and suffering so they carry these giant floats of with a with a with an icon of jesus and one with mary his mum and they carry them through the streets and they're carried on the shoulders of men and it's they're extremely heavy and these are taken through the streets over about five or six hours and there's significant pain for the men who have about an hour shift under each of these floats um, but there's marching bands, um, um, but they're generally kind of recognised because the 
uh, the, the the people that walk have these very pointy hats and there's often a that you you first thing we think of is Ku Klux Klan because they kind of got that shape but they're nothing to do with that and it's all to do with penance and stuff and it's quite impressive and I, although I'm not religious in any way shape or form uh, I kind of admire the, the the sort of social cohesion that this thing brings because everybody comes out and celebrates together um, and it's and I, the theatre and the ceremony of it. Yeah, well, and I see the it? value in, in, in all of that is a society and a community. And you don't have to be religious to become wrapped up in the whole thing. And uh, so every, so there's a procession every day. So it started last Sunday at Palm Sunday. Today's Easter Sunday. So today they, they remember the resurrection. So as soon as we've recorded, I shall be heading off into town and there'll be a celebration with very uplifting music and there will be carrying you know, a, a resurrected Jesus around the streets of the town and everyone will be very happy. And the weather's glorious here. I mean, it's like summer weather. Yeah. So everyone, you sent me yeah. a couple of pictures. It looks absolutely amazing. All right. So tech of the week. So I'm going to ask you, do you like cheesecake, Sean? Well, I love cheesecake. Yeah. Well, yeah, a te- particular favorite is blueberry. And I'm looking forward to hearing your blueberry story one day. Oh, oh I've got a blueberry yeah. story. Now, this is a strawberry. Yeah. This is a strawberry cheesecake. Now, look, so a team of engineers at Columbia University in New York, they used edible food ink and they printed the world's first 3D printed cheesecake. All right. And it took them about 30 minutes and they, they basically got these ingredients of crackers and peanut butter and chocolate spread and banana and stuff. And they mashed it all up into this paste. And then this printer printed the food. And uh, it was described as something that they'd not tasted before, <laughs> but it was edible. Um, uh, but, it caught my, but the thing is, there's a serious side to this because, um, you know, you think, oh, it's, you know, it's just a bit of humor. But the point is that if you were somebody that had very specific dietary requirements, you know, you had allergies or you needed to be very precise about what you did and did not eat, then... You, this is a way of making sure that you've absolutely guaranteed what's gone in there. Yeah. Um, but also, I think more importantly, there's probably a, a utility for this in places of the world where they have food insecurity or parts of the world when you can't, um, you know, there's been a disaster and you need to get food t- to people quickly. You can imagine it's actually easier to take a load of 3D printers and this liquid food and knock out the dishes. And so that's kind of where... It seems to me the, the 3D printing of food is going um, because you can be sure of the nutritional content of the stuff you're putting into the gunk and then you can make it look a bit better than, you know, those packs. When you watch a, a, space, uh, a spaceship and the astronauts have all got these like packs of steak and kidney pie or whatever. And they're yeah, the sort of the vacuum pack kind of thing. Yeah, yeah but yeah. now you can kind of print it so that it looks like a, a food. Anyway, that was my kind of interesting tech of the week for yeah, me. Yeah, my, fl- my flippant remark based on that is that you can go down the aisle of, of a supermarket here and a lot of the the food looks like as if it's been 3D printed, such as uh, <laughs> vegan bacon, I've got to say. Definitely looks like it came from a 3D I printer. Know. But, but, I know. But that's my flippant Well, uh, as a vegetarian, humor. I mean, we... <clears throat> Bacon, when you first go vegetarian, when you, bacon is one of the first things that you feel like you've missed because it's got such a distinctive flavour. Right, yeah. You, you get over that pretty quickly. And so when, I remember when Linda McCartney came out or 20 years ago with, with vegan or vegetarian bacon, as it was then. They call it facon or something? Yeah. Bacon, yeah but, you yeah. know, after a while, you just sort of think, well, it's not really, it's not really the thing. Yeah. Anyway, so... Yeah. Anyway, so, so my tech of the week is uh, a bit nerdy, so it's software, and it's a browser... And I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm on the wait list for Arc. Oh, I've uh, got it. 
You've got it already. Yeah. Good for you. I'm jealous because I'd like to be using that. Oh, I and, thought and it was rubbish. I have to, I'll tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burst your bubble, mate. I just, all right. It really irritated me. Well, I've, apparently it is uh, e- either something that someone accepts or dismisses. Well, there you go. It was a Marmite, a Marmite experience yeah. for me. Marmite yeah, yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, now, I've watched the YouTube videos, and I'm very much looking forward to actually using it in a different way. And a, a phrase that stood out for me in a review of it was that it was uh, the browser has been the window to the internet. But there's never been an operating system to the internet. And I love that. I thought that was a great line. And for those who don't know, um, excitement levels are not usually high for internet browsers. But this one feels more like an app than another version of Internet Explorer or Chrome. So please don't be expecting, if you're on the wait list or have never heard of Arc, just another browser with tabs at the top and, Mm. you know, it does everything. This is uh, the the idea that browsers need a shake-up. And uh, right now it's only available on Apple Mac devices. I believe the mobile version is also available, but you have to be on the wait list and get an invite from the browser company of New York. Mm. So that's it. That's my tech of the week. I'm mm. looking forward to it. It's Marmite for you already. Well, I'd be interested in what you th- think of it when you get it. Um, I, I just found it horribly confusing, uh, irritating. It just kept doing things I didn't want it to do. Nothing was how, and maybe because I, I didn't approach it with a, with a clean mind you may have you may have approached it like all the browsers and apparently yeah. that's not the way to do it yeah so it's quite a learning, a learning i found quite yeah. a learning curve and i just didn't, didn't have the patience i mean funny enough i am looking for a new browser because i'm fed up with brave they've got this shields thing and it's just stopping me on so many things and i've i'm playing around with edge at the moment yeah just just for just as an addition to that then if we let listeners know that we this is a couple of days on from when rick and i were supposed to record and we usually use squadcast and it all went uh, tits up basically on the day <laughs> and uh, it, it let us down so i'm trying riverside today but unfortunately like a lot of these studio environments uh, for recording local audio they only use a couple of browsers what's happened to the days when you had to have your technology that was great for every browser that you had yeah so i've had to download microsoft edge well i originally moved away from safari because I'm, I'm mostly Mac, uh, Apple, and I moved away from Safari because there were lots of sites that would not run on Safari. You know, and you get all kinds of issues around JavaScript and all that kind of stuff, which I yeah. don't understand. And, um, uh, and then I went to Brave. But I find that they've got this, these protection things, and it's just the amount of times now I go to a website and it, I just can't get on it. It says you're prevented. Some systems prevented you because it, for some reason it thinks I'm doing something bad various yeah you know exactly uh, and and i think we talked before i've now cancelled my spotify i waited for the upgrades on this kind of related thing because they you know the vpn was giving me an issue so connecting to the (laughs) just connecting is it is like becoming really difficult because of all these barriers Uh, but anyway so i'm trying edge i quite like it also because they've integrated with um gpt Right. Um, because of the Microsoft connection. Well, so. we're going to come to that in, a, in our main topic. So yeah. let's get the news out of the way. Oh, you're going And let's, let's yeah. get on with our chat. Here's the news. Okay. Italy has become the first Western country to block advanced chatbot ChatGPT. The Italian Data Protection Authority said there were privacy concerns relating to the model. This year's electronic entertainment... God, I'm going to start that one again. This year's electronic entertainment expo... No wonder they call it E3 has been cancelled. 
analysts say it has struggled to remain relevant and hasn't adapted to changes in the industry. TikTok has been fined £12.7 million by the UK's data watchdog for failing to protect the privacy of children. The New York Times has lost its blue tick on Twitter after it said it wouldn't pay to remain verified. It prompted Elon Musk to insult them. Big surprise there. And finally, self-driving bus services will begin in Scotland on the 15th of May in what is believed to be a world first. Yeah, I can't say Electronic Entertainment Expo very well. First thing on a Sunday morning. <laughs> that's why they've cancelled it. That's why they've cancelled it, yeah. That's quite a big thing, because that's been going for I've for never heard of years. it before. What is it? Well, of course you bloody haven't. He hadn't heard of mirrorless cameras in the last episode either. <laughs> Who am I doing this tech podcast with? <laughs> well, I'm learning from you. <laughs> so what, what is it? what is it then? Uh, so E3 is the entertainment industry. It's, it's where Nintendo and PlayStation and, all, and Microsoft, they do all their big announcements. And it's basically the gaming industry's, uh, what would be the equivalent for, for insurance? And, oh, I know. And, now, you know, when you say E3, I recognize yeah. E3. But is that what it's, is? Because it's, it's three words that begin with E. Yeah. Yeah, that no one can say on a Sunday morning. Well, what, yeah. E3 just make E3 is easy. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's why they've called it ether someone they got some bright spot come up with the name of whatever it is they said that's too hard just call it e3 yeah exactly even my yeah. mum can remember that even anymore yeah yeah all right so this week we're talking about actually quite specific thing and it is about ai development but it's about uh, at the end of march the future of life institute published an open letter suggesting that ai labs immediately pause for at least six months the training of AI systems more powerful than GPT-4. Notable signatories included Elon Musk, Steve Wozniak, Yuval Noah Harari, and there were nearly 6,000 signatures the last time I looked, and that was a few days ago. So, Rick, many of the names on this list work in AI. Mm-hmm. What's, what's got them rattled? Do they know something we don't? Is it sour grapes because they feel they should have been first past the post? <laughs> or is something else on their minds? Well, so I think there's probably we'll just get this one out the first out the way first. So Elon Musk and Wozniak have been here before. So in 2014, they signed a letter that was almost identical. I remember that yeah. on AI, but that was because then there were concerns about the use of AI in in the military industry because there was mm-hmm. lots of talk of of AI controlled drones and AI controlled robots, and uh, they called on it. So so the le- and the letter is very similar. Um, and of course, it won't work because there's no way that um, you know anybody's going to stop for six months. And why six months? I mean, that seems like a, a ridiculous amount of time. Although, frankly, ChatGPT has changed the world in six months. But I think the there is a there is a serious set of questions, and they have opened the debate because there was also the UNESCO open letter which called for a, an an immediate implementation of a of like an ethics. Um, standards uh, for AI and these mm. things are all kind of coming together uh, and, and you mentioned in the news about Italy banning chat GPT about very genuine concerns about whether they have broken the law collecting the the training data whether they've broken GDPR and all that kind of stuff so I think there is a genuine debate that I'm seeing uh, that's moving very quickly about uh are we heading somewhere that we don't yet quite know where it is? And are we going to regret getting there when we get there? So there are genuine issues and concerns that, that 
I think are now springing up. And even though AI has been with us 80 years, it feels like in less than six months, the world has like completely changed by a technology that I think is, has had a more profound effect than probably any other technology ever. But while AI may have been around for that long, there's certainly a new perception of it, a new definition almost of it that that's uh, very fresh and very young. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, one of the things that they said on the open letter, by the way, is is a little bit what you're saying there about that unknown quantity. Yeah, I think they said AI systems with human competitive intelligence pose risks to society and humanity. Yeah, I mean, do they? Yeah, do they we do. think that. Yeah. yeah, there's two. There's two areas that strike that, that that jump out for me, Sean. In this, there's two areas, and we can we can dissect both of them. One is jobs and the impact impact specifically on knowledge workers. But the you know this whole question of of the machines replacing humans is a genuine one, right? And we've we can already see in just a matter of weeks the impact of of these large AI models. And the other one is around what I would call misinformation, disinformation, propaganda, you know, the whole thing of, will we know what's real and fake anymore? And there's evidence already that, um, you know, that's going to be really difficult. And I think the next year or so is going to be challenging for us coming, working out, how do we handle this? So I think that genuinely is, is two, two areas of concerns. One is around jobs and one is around misinformation. But one of those things, uh, the misinformation has been around uh, by human hand. Uh, since social media really took off and misinformation has been around for for decades uh, because of the media. What is going to be the difference in terms of how AI pushes misinformation in in a new direction, perhaps? Well, I think uh, if you you take that one, you're right. uh, Misinformation and the threat of technology on jobs, uh, they're not new issues. I think it's more a question of scale and pace, which Mm. is that it's, it's not going to be a steady evolution. So if you remember about a week, 10 days ago, there was a, there was a picture that went viral and it was the Pope in a giant yeah, I remember that, puffer yeah. jacket. And it looked real and everybody was taking a double take on it. It went, it went completely nuts. And the guy, the guy who created it was a sort of a, like a factory worker who was just messing around on mid-journey and he just thought, he just typed in a prompt, you know, draw me the Pope in a giant puffer jacket like he's down with the kids. Mm. And this came out and he put it on, I think, on Twitter or wherever it went on. And it, it took off. And that's an example. And then there, you had to have a whole load of stories come out and say, look, this, is, this was artificially created. Um, but there's all those other pictures that came out of Trump being arrested, you know, being wrestled to the ground by New York cops or Macron standing in a burning street. And these pictures look real. And if you look at the videos, there's loads of Trump that are, and some of them have got quite vile content, but they really are very realistic. And, mm. and so my, my, what I would say is that the, the misinformation of the past um, is not going to be on anything like the scale of the misinformation that, that's going to be rapidly hitting our newsstands. And so the, the ability to rely on, to determine what's credible and what's maybe... Um, conspiratorial is going to get harder and i think yeah there's so a genuine- gullibility you know the the likelihood of, of us being gullible uh, almost becomes moot because you know we'll all be gullible we'll all have to either take a stance in take everything with a pinch of salt but then what do you believe when something is actually real you know that's that's the other side of this if, yeah. if scale and speed becomes a thing what do you actually believe yeah yeah because yeah. there's, there's that um 
there's that saying I can't quite remember it, which is like the the lie goes around the world quicker than you have time to deny it or something, whatever it is. And, that, and, and <laughs> I, I think I, like that. I think we're at that we're at that point. Um, mm. And there is genuine concern that um, stuff is going to come out that. And it won't be necessarily as obvious as the Pope in a puffer jacket because your common sense at some point will kick in and think, well, it looks real, uh, you know, or Trump talking. I mean, there's one going around where Trump says, uh, you know, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Um, and it looks real, like Trump saying that. And you think, well, I'm not sure I, you can have a common sense view on that. As whether, but there's going to be lots of subtle things that just slipped in, little, little uh, tinkering. And, I, 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 and the ability to do it at scale and more quickly is what the issue is here. Not that it's, yeah, yeah. it's new. It's just that there's going to be so much more of it. And we'll just be bombarded with stuff. And there's a, there's a concern that in the end, no one of, none of us will believe anything. And even the mainstream, like the BBC or CNN, will start questioning. And then where does that leave us as a society and humanity if we can't believe anything? So if they're the risks to society and humanity, uh, one of the other things they said in this open letter was that planning and management for advanced AI isn't happening despite these risks. So are we collaborating or are we competing? Oh, that's a good question. I think the, oh, I don't know about, I don't know what the answer is there, but, I, but the right about the planning and coordination. I mean, if you remember the thing with OpenAI, so OpenAI was set up, Originally, Elon Musk was one of the founders, and there's you know another kind of cynical view is the reason, one of the reasons he's calling for the halt on it is because he, grapes. he was spurned. I mean, in 2018, yeah. he wanted to take control of OpenAI, and uh, he was rejected, and they, 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 Sam Altman took over, and Elon Musk left OpenAI, but it was set up as a not-for-profit research arm. You know, if you go back in the past, governments used to fund. You know, I mean, the internet was was essentially developed by the u.s government um but now they don't you know nasa flying to the moon was all paid for by by the u.s state and now it's you know it's spacex is doing all the, the research and development um oh yeah no in terms of planning but of course now you've got open ai which is a, is a sort of pro, semi-commercial organization google is a commercial organization uh anthropology or commercial organization we don't really know what's going on in China, but, you know, they will be doing a lot of, of their own development. And so you've got competitive... The, the reason OpenAI was, was set up was to stop the development of AI being in the hands of a corporation that was driven by a profit motive, that the idea that it would be developed for the good of humanity, which is a theme that runs through Elon Musk's stage. And, of course, what's happened now is that it's commercial organisations that are fighting each other. So you've got the big Microsoft versus alphabet google battle at the moment who have been very quiet uh, around this whole open letter uh well I th because aren't they uh, would, would you say that in terms of ai getting speed uh, scale is largely down to microsoft and google at the moment well they uh, um i mean they are the ones running away with this they for, are the ones running away with this and what looks like on the face of it commercial reasons yeah i mean i think mm. what you're going to see very quickly is that open ai will well I, my guess is that open AI, open ai will re retain a certain amount of independence but they're so tied now with microsoft who essentially owns half of open ai that you know i think they're never going to be able to be seen as truly independent and for the good of humanity anymore as a sort of a, a court b type organization 
Um, but Alphabet have to come up with a better answer to this because their whole business is built around advertising on search engines. And the promise of AI now is that you won't need a search. We won't need Google search anymore, mm. which gives us loads of ad-fueled uh, links. What will happen is that the, the, the AI will just give us the answer that, and would just give us it in one answer. We won't have to read everyone else's reviews and, and uh, blogs to find that out. And so they have to come up with a solution. And I, my guess is that the big tech firms, a meta are now in the game because they've, they've introduced their AI. They will start buying up all of the smaller ones. Adobe have just made a big uh, jump with Firefly, if you've seen that. And that looks really impressive. And so all of these smaller tech companies are just going to get consumed by a handful of big companies, which is probably the fear that then you have large corporate entities controlling the market and this whole knowledge economy thing is just going to get going to get even more dominated by big tech. So, so a call for a six-month pause on training AI systems is is also, without saying it, um, you know, in writing, is also a call for perhaps uh, no more acquisitions in AI. You know, I think the genie's out the bottle. I think it's just a, it's just a, a busted flush going down the road of look, we need to stop and think about this. Uh, you know, people. Have oh, talked- that seems to be the call. That seems to yeah, be the call yeah. of the open letter. But I guess my question is: when I was looking, I read the whole open letter, and I thought, well, you know, there's a lot of things in there um, that make sense to me, and there's an awful lot of things that all, all, always sound good, but you know, they're never going to happen. You know, who's going to develop protocols? Who's going to take any notice of a six-month pause? And how are you going to get global agreement? How are you I mean, how are you going to get global agreement? You're going to get yeah. China and Russia to halt their development of AI when you can't even get to. we can't even get agreement on on Ukraine for example yeah. or or nuclear weapons uh, or anything of that sort so the, it's it's i think <clears throat> it's less about actually trying to create an outcome of a pause and more around raising the the issues i mean for me the the misinformation is important but the impact on jobs and the way we live and work is probably going to be more profound i mean you know you, you you're probably already seeing the amount of copywriting uh type ai and I, I was just reading this thing over the weekend of of a of a professor at wharton business school who in 30 minutes using four ai tools that cost him 60 dollars, built an entire business plan website social media marketing all his advertising copy to launch a game uh, a video mm-hmm. game and it was done as an exercise. And the guy that was, was on the podcast talking about it said it would have taken his agency a month, six weeks, you know, two months to come up with all of that material. Yeah. And it's, I've known a lot of agencies like that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. They might have pushed yeah. it out. And, and, but, you know, it would have been human effort kind of going through a, a process. It wasn't quite where I was getting at, but but all right, I'll give I'll give them. Uh, what was what did tip. you mean then? What? Well, I've known a lot of agencies. I've worked with agencies as well that are not worth it. Oh, I see they what you take, mean. They yeah. take your money and don't deliver the. the oh, I see. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's possibly why yeah. the future of AI, as well, uh, and jobs in AI, are going to be the prompt engineer. I don't think it was any uh, coincidence there that you said the person who developed those four things and this gaming marketing thing was a professor. Mm. You know, you've got to know what you want to write and what you want the outcome to be. But you know, this prompt engineer, I think this is, this, is a, this is going to be very short-lived. There will be... So, if the access 
to all of these new AIs is you need to have some you know level of quali- level of skill to be a prompt engineer. You need to know how to write a prompt because if you write a crap yeah. prompt, you get a crap outcome from the AI. But that's a real barrier for companies. So Adobe have, have released this new these new features. They're going to write prompt. They're they're going to write technology that will do the prompt prompting. So the idea that of, of a prompt engineer, somebody who knows how to craft a prompt, I think will be very short lived because the 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 technology companies are going to pretty soon say, well, we'll use AI to do the prompt to do the prompting, <laughs> and you just tell me in, in plain English what you want, and then I'll create a prompt that gives you a really good outcome. Hey, you know, so certain things have been around for a long time. Um, examples fail me right now while while I'm on the spot. But take up of these things is always smaller than you think. You know, even copywriting, the, the art of copywriting, which I've been in for 25 years now, and you still come across uh, people who don't use copywriters because they still don't know what they do. And I think uh, AI will go down the route. So there'll be a lot of companies that invest heavily in using AI tools. and uh, But I think they will be minimal. I really do. Mm. Uh, they won't know what they do. They'll, they'll lose the game. You know, they, they won't compete with their peers and stuff like that. But these things are snail pace, honestly. I, I really do believe that. I, I think mm. the take-up of things is... Well, we should, have, we, should have a little, we should have a little bet then, Sean, because I, <clears throat> I, I don't. Uh, I think there will be... There, there will be a. Uh, there will always be a group of of humans. There will always be humans that have a particular touch to their work, whether they're however they're creating college and presenting knowledge and all the rest of it. That will that will still stand out. But I think for the there's probably ninety percent of people that write stuff um, and produce stuff that will be that that won't be any better than what is produced for a fraction of the cost and half the time by AI. And so I, I think, um, as you made the point about agencies, a lot of them aren't yeah. really very good. I think all that stuff that's mediocre and average and below will just get replaced by, by technology. And now that, now that OpenAI have released the, the API bundle for GPT, so just so people know, APIs are basically these connections. So you can plug different apps into the AI system uh, you've now kind of essentially done the equivalent of adding the app store to the iPhone. Because right? if you remember, just to bring it real, when the iPhone came out in 2007, it was a phone, a camera, and an internet browser. And that was it. But it wasn't until we got the app store that all of a sudden the iPhone became this multi-purpose tool that is what it is today. But it was the app store that made the iPhone what it is today, not the iPhone itself. That just enabled it. And the API interface which allows chat gpt to connect directly to the internet and to automation tools like zapier that's what's going to be the big change so i have a slightly different view i think i think this is going to be more disruptive um and large scale very quickly Hmm. okay well we're cracking on here we're we're uh, almost to the end of the episode but i I don't want to finish without talking about the potential for a six-month hiatus on ai development imagine it coming true imagine that Mm -hmm. all the the good people of the world say yeah let's put a six-month pause on this Mm -hmm. what about the bad people of the world so criminals have a a good record of getting ahead of things before Mm -hmm. regulators do 
what might criminals do in those six months pause? Because they're not going to pause. How might they get ahead of things here using AI? Oh, I mean, we're already you, seeing fraud. You know, very very clever AI driven chatbots doing uh, new techniques in, in financial fraud now. I know. I, 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 you know, I don't. I don't. I think it's, there's like a million. There's a million answers to that. That question. The fundamental thing is that um, it's not necessarily a case of pausing development because the tools that are already out there. Do you know what I mean you? What they're talking about is 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 just hold. They're not. The letter doesn't say turn them all off, right? And no. most of these are free, like research and development tools. I mean, where it comes down to for me is that if you if you listen to Sam Altman, who's the guy who, who runs Open AI, he his view is we put in these tools out in what's called beta modes, right? They're in test mode to see what happens. Okay, it's like a giant experiment to see how people find ways to use them and what the outcome is. Um, but those tools are already out there. So even if, if, even if OpenAI said, you know what, we're not going to re- release any more updates. GPT-4 is out there. ChatGPT is out there. We're just going to leave it, what it as it is. The da- that genie's out of the bottle. So even if, they, even if they halted development, you know, you can still do all this stuff today. I mean, it's almost, it's almost like we well, don't need any more. There's enough being released. We probably need two or three years of of figuring out what to do with this enormous capability they've given us before we start bringing new stuff out. So I, I don't know. Um, I think, yeah, bad people. Hmm. They've always had, we've always had those. We've always had them. We have. And, and they often don't, you know, they don't, they're often hidden, aren't they? Often they're the people that you think are the good people and they're secretly the, the bad people. It's, you know, we tend to think of bad people as like the, the, the robbers, you're walking around with swag bags and you know balaclavas and often yeah and often the baddies are people in plain sight well exactly one of the things i I laugh at now if you go to a stock photography site and you type in hacker or cyber criminal they always come up with the same shot of a guy on a keyboard with a hoodie yeah (laughs) yeah that's basically this generation's version of the swag bag and and the mask you know yeah yeah it's funny you know what I, I would say to people when people ask me about where's this all heading? I say, A, look, nobody knows. But B, this is not a, a flash in the pan. This is not like when Bitcoin came out and we're, you know, 14 years on and we're still trying to see, is it going to be the thing that changes financial services and money? Or when we talked about virtual reality, which has been out like 30 odd years, and it's the, you know, we're all going to live in a, a metaverse. This is something that's moved very, very quickly. So I would say to anybody now, whether it's for your personal life or certainly in professional life, you really need to understand what AI is about. And that's more than just being able to spell AI, but, you know, actually get a, get a handle on what are the things that can be done. And you, you don't have to be a prompt engineer. You don't have to spend lots of time. But if anybody that is ignorant of AI and what's going on in the next six to 12 months, I think you're going to be left behind. Because I, most corporations, I'd be surprised if there wasn't a CEO in the world that isn't calling their head of IT or their innovation or whatever and saying, what are we going to do? Because someone's going to steal our lunch if we don't do something. We're either going to yeah, have too many people see, in the company. That's where our bet is. That's where our bet is because I believe there are still plenty of CEOs out there who haven't a bloody clue what's going on. Oh, yeah, true. And, <laughs> and they're you, not having that conversation yeah, with yeah, anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's you, my, you, that's you saw that with regulators. I mean, we talk yeah. about regulators. Mean, if you, if you, any of you watched, if any of our audience watched the TikTok interview, uh, 
uh, um, appearance by the CEO of TikTok in front of the US Congress the other week. Yeah. I mean, you just realize that, that lawmakers are woefully uh, inadequate when it comes to trying to get their heads around some of these complicated issues. Does TikTok connect to my Wi-Fi when, when I'm in my home, he says. Well, mm. so, I mean, that's... So uh, how yeah. do you spell AI? <laughs> in English or Spanish? <laughs> Did you start watching the playlist? I did. And what do you think? Do you like it? I did watch it. And uh, you know what? I, I picked the wrong time because we came off fresh off the other show and it was on my list. And I thought, right. And then I, one night, Sue went to bed early and I thought, right, I'm going to start it. But I was just a bit tired and I, I kind of wasn't fully committed. And then we had friends coming. So I'm going to start it again. But yes, I did. It's right up my street and I will be Oh, watching. so you watched one episode? I watched half of one episode. Half of one episode. But, yes, but please I'm, do start it again because you have to... I'm not going to spoil it for you, but you kind of have to pay a little attention to what's going on in each episode. And I want to. And, 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 and I think that was my... You'll point. figure out why yeah. eventually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what I have started watching is season four of Succession. Are you a Succession person? No, I, I was. I watched the first couple or three whatever it was and i i just thought these are horrible why am i watching them? <laughs> it's because they are such horrible people oh I love yeah, it. so I'm... i couldn't bear it anymore yeah yeah no. yeah and the mandalorian uh, has become star trek i've decided <laughs> i really did enjoy the mandalorian do you watch that no that's not my company no, that's on disney yeah no it's not my and uh, i was really enjoying that and uh, that has become a bit star trekky we're watching night sky at the moment with Sissy Spacek and J.K. Simmons. Have you heard of that one? Oh, I've Night seen Sky. it. Yeah, yeah the, the older couple, and they've got that yeah, secret portal yeah. to... Yeah, don't tell me yeah. anything, though, because if you've seen the whole thing, I don't want any spoilers, but we're, in, we're enjoying that. I love those two, because it reminds me of Whiplash, and it reminds me of Carrie. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, two magnificent, you know, and pivotal movies of their time. Yes. And these two are great actors, and it's a really good... It's really good. And it's yeah. got a... It's, and it's... Good, good ending. Um, we've also started the Big Door Prize, which is on Apple TV. That's kind of fun. No idea what and, that is. And we really enjoyed Tetris. Have you watched Tetris film yet with Taron Egerton? No. No. Yeah. Put that on your list. That's oh, quite I've fun. I've been that busy. It's, I've had my daughter out here for a week. And, uh, and now it's Easter week and we've got guests again at the moment. So it's just been full on. Plus, I'm in training yeah. for my my cycle ride in oh, of course May. Yeah, that's so imminent i've had no time whatsoever for anything yeah but you'll have time this afternoon i imagine for uh, our football teams play one another don't they <laughs> I thought you yeah. yeah this afternoon it's a big game liverpool arsenal yeah yeah liverpool, on, what's your prediction? I, th- I, I think we're up for grabs today with you being top of the table well you've um, lost three in a row when's the last time liverpool lost four in a row I know it's crazy, isn't it? But hopefully we show our better face on the day. But I, th- I think this is yours this afternoon. But, you know, I, there's a commentator. He writes, uh, he does his predictions in the paper. He's an ex-footballer. You'll know him. He's called Chris Sutton. Mm. And he hates Liverpool for some reason. I have no idea why. Mm. But the last time he predicted a heavy defeat for Liverpool was when we beat Man United 7-0. Mm. So he's also predicted that you'll batter us this afternoon. <laughs> and I'm hoping the Chris Sutton effect takes place. Anyway... Who cares? As long as it's entertaining. I don't yeah. think it's. I don't think it's a slam dunk. Um, Man City rolled Southampton over yesterday, so we've got we've got to come away with some points. It's, it's always a tough game. Um, yeah. I mean, the reason I probably told you this, the reason I, I support Arsenal was because uh, when I was when I needed to choose a team, 
it was it was either Liverpool or Arsenal, and it was the year of the double in '71 when Arsenal with the Charlie George goal at the, in the FA Cup final, and that was why I chose Arsenal over Liverpool. Um, and it's as simple it's as simple as that. Right. My parents That's had no interest in. I mean, I didn't know anything about football until I moved to a different council estate, and all the kids said, "What's your team?" And I didn't even know there was such things. So um, yeah. it was what I just picked the the one of the top two teams and it just happened to be Arsenal yeah. could have been Liverpool well, we, we should end now but we've just lost 50% of our listenership <laughs> talking about football so thanks for tuning yes. into our 23rd episode we will be back in a couple of weeks with more analysis and not too serious conversation about big tech little tech and everything in between this has been a Sean Weston media production I was Sean Weston and I was Rick Huckstep <laughs> <laughs>